Hello, hello, good evening. It's late at night in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And uh, I've just had an interesting day. Um, interesting weekend, I'd say, is better yet. I'm in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And uh, there was a, 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 a giant semi-truck uh, doing a U-turn on the highway while I was going 100 kilometers an hour on the, yes, highway. <laughs> but... Uh, but in the end, it was like, what? and it was at night, and this truck's turning around on a U-turn, and I've got uh, Ariella, uh, Shireen, uh, Mikio, Catalina, and myself in the car. And you think to yourself, like, really? Like, this is how it all, like, ends, or very difficult could, could all end? Like, I could see many people crashing into that truck. And unfortunately, on this trip alone, I had two, I was stopped for several hours, twice, for uh, for deaths on the road uh, here in Mexico, one was on my way uh, to Guadalajara, and excuse me, and uh, it might be the white wine, it might be late at night, it might be a long day of driving, um, and uh, one was on the highway on my way to Guadalajara, and uh, and so basically in this one weekend, I was in traffic for the deaths of about four people. Anyways. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Roberto, coming to you from Mexico. I'm half Mexican, half Canadian, born and raised in Montreal, shy of 40, and, uh, and I've lived a pretty spectacular life, which is why I called this show uh, A Life Extraordinary. And, um, and cool enough with my generation, uh, I'm not the only one that uh, lives a life extraordinary. Indeed, so many people do in so many different ways, and that's what this show is about. Um, but tonight, tonight the show is about the most dangerous drives and spectacular drives. Because you see, in all this time of my being uh, an explorer, adventurer, expeditioner, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, geez, you know, you spend most of your time when you're going on an expedition or trip driving. Because you land, the plane lands, and you drive somewhere. And it's, you know... 2,000 kilometers away and, and, uh, and distances like that. And driving has been to the core of what my uh, concept, <clears throat> excuse me, my concept has, uh, has been because it's what originally got me to all the far off places that I was aching to go to. And I've had my share of discovering spectacular places, being uh, pretty petrified at times, um, whether it be through sleet or snow or rain or floods or uh, 40 centimeters of snow fresh in the span of a few hours, uh, my driving experience is extraordinary. Um, my mom, since I was a kid, well, since I was a kid, you know, since I got my license at 16 or so, she's like, be careful, drive safely every time I go out the door. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. Excuse me. And it's late. It's late. Um, and, uh, and so she always told me like, you know, be safe and everything. And indeed I have a fair bit of experience of driving under my belt. I've driven in hundred plus kilometer per hour winds on single lanes in Iceland. I've fjorded rivers with questionable cars. Um, I've motorcycled a Harley across epic coastline in Cozumel. I've meandered a Jeep Gladiator truck, which I got in advance before most people got through spectacular sand dunes in New Mexico. I've driven 
many times the Icefield Parkway going up and down it, um, exploring the spectacular Canadian Rockies that line the highway's shores. Um, and so I, I've even been, uh, you know, zipping by through the streets of Paris on a Vespa with my girlfriend at the time, Shireen, now my wife, um, Shireen, <laughs> still the same person, just status was different at the time. So, you know, just to paint the picture of, of, of what it was. And, uh, and we would whip around Paris uh, on a little red Vespa. And, uh, you know, that was cool. That was like the, like the you know, early, um, deeply fallen in love days of, of being excited to, to have a new partner. And we were staying um, dans le septième arrondissement, which is one of Paris's most uh, elegant areas. Um, and it was lovely. It was lovely to zip by the streets on this Vespa and, you know, squeeze through the cars and go to the front of the, the uh, line. It was exciting. It was actually in my early days of, I was still kind of a businessman at the time and uh, wearing like nice coats and uh, blue suede shoes. <laughs> so, so it was very romantic. Uh, that trip that we had, and definitely those memories are spectacular. But anyways, I digress. So um, so I have to tell you about this weekend. This weekend, I went to visit my uh, family, and, uh, and my mom has a very significant extended family. Indeed, they are 10 grandchildren from my grandmother. This is just my mom's side. 26, uh, no, 10, 10 kids, 26 grandchildren, and 16 great-grandchildren to my 98-year-old mother, Enelina, who's still alive and as sharp as a tack. Um, and anyway, so she's, she lives in Guadalajara, and obviously with the pandemic for a lot of the time, she wasn't able to go out. And uh, it was really funny because we, we got to her house, and, uh, and normally everyone's like, we were quite concerned with COVID and everything. And, um, and, you know, Mexican families are much more buoyant and joyant than than a typical Canadian one. And uh, so everything starts with masks on and then the pictures start. And so I'm with my abuelita and taking pictures and not. And my kids are on her bed and my <laughs> niece who might have a very runny nose is also on her bed. And you're thinking, oh, geez. But, that, but you know what? Uh, it was spectacular. Uh, for and I, and I thought to myself, is it, you know, my, my grandmother stayed with my mom and my parents a few months in, in Mexico at their condo uh, during the pandemic because she couldn't go see anyone. And it's, and I thought to myself, what, you know, my grandmother's super social. So what's the most important is that she gets out and sees her family. And then her grandson, who's never in town, um, came down. And so this was the reason that I went to uh, Guadalajara and, and then Chapala. But so I'm going to start with the driving. <laughs> Bienvenidos a Mexico. Welcome to the uh, wildestly um, spectacular driving of being in a big city like Guadalajara. So we get into Guadalajara, and of course, there's seven lanes wide if you count. I'm in th there's three lanes where I am. There's a shoulder, so it's second four. And on the other side, there's the same thing. So eight lanes wide. Except the difference here is that there are no rules. <laughs> you, it is survival of the fittest. It is, um, do you have a good smile or a good nod or a, a, a face that makes you say, yes, sure, please, sir, go ahead in front of me. Or are you the big truck that says, I'm big enough to, to move my way around here? Or are you the motorcyclist that could like wind and meander through the, the cars with 
absolutely no fear as I see his side view mirror barely clip the cars uh, in, in front of me. So like it was it was wild, but I have to tell you the scariest moment. You know, I did have my whole family in the car and it is very different to be driving on an exciting, in quotation marks, um, driving day uh, when you're alone than versus when you have your whole family in the car. And the kids may or not, may not be screaming depending on the stage of where you are. But when you hit, like we were on the highway and we basically out of Guadalajara and we hit a complete stop um, because there was an accident and someone had died. And, uh, and I think people are almost numb to it now. Like my cousin... Uh, was telling me, she's like, oh yeah, you know, you kind of, she, she made a comment that implied like, oh, you kind of get used to like just waiting because somebody died on the drive <laughs> because it's common here and, and it's common every day. So, so in, in Canada, we often see our stories of like, oh, there was an accident and like they got out of it and, and the people were okay and, and very rarely did anybody die. But here with the sheer quantity of people that like are in this country, it's just not possible to to it for it to be like that obviously so uh so anyway so tonight i gotta tell you the drive leaving my grandmother's house so we went to see my grandmother anyways that was that was okay we got into the city fine i did find it daytime driving be like meh okay the rules are somewhat abided by but when we left guadalajara to uh, chapala there was like the complete stop and during that stop instead of people being like okay there's an accident here somebody may or may not have died uh up ahead people started to drive on the the shoulder of the highway, the only lane left for an emergency vehicle uh, or rescue service or ambulance or fire department or life-saving technician to take to get to an accident while the rest is completely gridlocked due to the accident. So think about that. So it's like, oh, geez, we're completely stopped. There must be an accident up ahead. So what am I going to do? Uh, as a proper Canadian or American, I think, or European or so many other first world countries, you'd be like, well, I'm going to stay put because emergency vehicles need to get by me on the right to be able to to see if somebody needs, you know, like life-saving moments and and getting to the hospital. But no, no, not in Mexico, dear friends, or not near Guadalajara anyways. The cars just started to go along the shoulder to see if they could get by, why not? I saw everything from like a beat up old rusty pickup truck take the shoulder and a Maserati as well. So it was, it was, I was baffled, <laughs> but that wasn't the worst of it. The worst of it came was after the accident and I'm still on the highway and it's going, you know, I'm going about 90, I think. And, uh, and there's lots of spots on this highway where you can do a U-turn onto the other highway or cross the other highway to some random street. So, so imagine that you're driving at this speed and a giant truck has done a U-turn in front of you <laughs> in the middle of the night with no lights on the side of the truck and you're going 90 clicks an hour and you've got your whole family in your car. So obviously I was like, when I had to like, not slam the brakes, but pretty much uh, correct my speed significantly, um, I was like, what the heck, man? Like, seriously? Like, I wipe out my whole family by a, a stupidity of somebody doing that uh, car maneuver. 
And, uh, and so anyways, that happens. And then, and then I keep going and I'm looking for the exit and I'm using Google Maps. And of course, uh, where I'm supposed to turn, I didn't see it on twice. I missed a turn because it was com- the exit was completely dark off a highway, a dark exit off a highway when there's gazillions of cars that use this traffic, uh, this, these roadways in a day completely dark so so these two combined having the whole family in the car and i'm like heck man you can't even drive in a big city like this at night without seriously putting yourself at risk you do understand that most people or the percentage rate of people that die in any city is particularly high because of car accidents more than anything else it's like more than heart attacks and more than like strokes and more it's like car accidents that's how frequent they are. So in a city like Guadalajara, they're insane. Excuse me, one second. Mm. Refresh my lips with some white wine that I perhaps took from my dad's <laughs> on arrival. It was one of those days because that's not where the story ends. So we get to Chapala and we have this absolutely spectacular reunion of the family with my 98-year-old grandmother. Everyone says, go huck it to wearing a mask. <laughs> and we're just like, listen, this is unique opportunity. And yes, of course, everyone vaccinated. But, but again, I think it's the attitude that we're all exhausted with this damn pandemic. And at the same time, being vaccinated and aware that, that it seems to be uh, mild uh, symptoms we're like, I, we'd rather live. And, you know, I think that's why my grandmother chose to go to this event, because she wasn't supposed to come originally. Uh, I think it's simply because she's like, heck, man, I'm 98. What's the difference if I simply uh, go to this a wonderful event with my family uh, and and then just simply, like, like enjoy life? I'm 98. What the hell else are you going to do? Stay in, like, a boxed room and, and not go out? No, at that age... You're like, geez, you know, so, so I was really proud of her for like kind of being like, screw it, I'm going. And, uh, and she's got a tough, awesome character. And I did an interview with her on my other podcast uh, series called Perspectives here on Colin. So I hope you listen to it. It's a bit tricky jumping back and forth, the English and French, uh, the English and Spanish, but uh, you will get the gist of it. So anyways, we have a lovely, spectacular reunion I tell, I frequently tell everybody that I'm horrified at the driving there and they're like, oh, you're so Canadian. Like, you, go, you don't have accidents. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yes, we have uh, three accidents in winter every eight years. And um, so anyways, that's, what, that's on the WhatsApp group uh, right now between, between the family. But it was, it was wonderful to see them. So anyways, we decide that we have to leave to Puerto Vallarta relatively early because we don't want to be driving the last windy highway section that leads to Puerto Vallarta past the toll sections. So you got two ways uh, of getting here. You can take the Libre, which is the road that uh, is public and anybody can take, and it's a winding, terrible, nauseating road to get anywhere. Or you can take the toll roads, which are, are expensive. You know, they add up like, I don't know, I think I, I must have paid like 600 pesos or something, 500, 600 pesos today, which is like 30 bucks. Like, I'm not used to paying 30 bucks for driving anywhere, but it's, it's understandable because it's, it's clean, it's safe, there's security, there's ambulance that, that like, you know, uh, checks out that road and, uh, and that highway. And everyone still rips at like 140 kilometers, 150 kilometers an hour with the vehicles that can, because there's plenty of vehicles that, you know, that can't go like 40 kilometers an hour consistently that still end up on it. 
And, uh, and that's pretty cool. I do like enjoy zipping, <laughs> zipping by. But when you get to the last section, it's a winding, curving road. And you don't really want to be driving this section late at night. And the traffic just keeps increasing uh, as population increases. And this road can be quite dangerous. So, so we wanted to get onto this road before it was dark. And, uh, and family and, uh, and friends were like, please, no, stay for lunch. Let's go on the boat. Let's play some new little tennis game that has like the glass walls. It's pretty cool. Uh, they call it paddle or something like that. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. I played with my nephew. He beat me. He's like 10. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my knee's hurting, you know, I didn't want to like jump. <laughs> but uh, excuses, excuses. But smart kid, you know, he's like, uh, he won. And I'm like, rematch, rematch. He's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> smart kid. Um, but uh, anyway, so I leave. We decide that, okay, we're going to say no to all these invitations. And we're just going to leave early because... Better safe than sorry with all the, with the kids in the car. So we drive out about an hour and a half, uh, no, about an hour out of, out of uh, Chapala and uh, wishing we had maybe gone for the boat ride or hung out a little longer uh, because we were really, really relishing seeing family after so long, if not seeing them and having my kids enjoy them uh, as well. It was really special. And, uh, and so we drive an hour or so and we come to a complete stop on the Google Maps. It says that it's going to be a uh, 15 minute wait. But we get there, and after about 25 minutes, a guy comes out like a few, from a few cars in front and says, the cops just said it's going to be three to four hours. There are muertitos. Now, this is this really funny thing about Mexicans. It's like they add like ito to everything. When I was a kid, they called me Robertito. They still call me Robertito. It's kind of funny. Um, they say, uh, I want a cigarrito instead of saying un cigarro. They say, I want to pasar un vinito. <laughs> they like, I don't know. It's really funny. They make like every object like mini. <laughs> it's like, uh, un, uh, ah, si, me compré un carrito. It's like, I bought a little car. <laughs> and, and you do this with everything. Una, you know, uh, every, you add ito to everything. It's kind, it's kind of funny. Um, but anyway, so we, we, we're, we get to this full stop on, on the road leaving Chapala. And, uh, and the guy's like, yeah, there's, uh, there's been some muertitos on the road. And we're like, I'm like, really? Like, you even took, like, death and you made it ito? Um, and, uh, and that's going to be three to four hours. So we have to double back, pass, have spent a couple of hours um, basically leaving that we could have spent with our friends or family. And, uh, and we're passing by the house again, going the other direction. And the kids are obviously, they already had their nap uh, they already slept for a while. They're, they're, they were they were zen during those two hours of of driving, and uh, and of course the zen ended when they got hungry and they were uh, tired. And uh, are we there yet? We actually made the song "Are We There Yet" into into a song, <laughs> and then we say "Are you there yet?" Not yet, and we go that for for that for a few hours. But but it was difficult for them. But. But uh, again, so in one weekend, there were uh, two, maybe one to five deaths on one weekend that we were driving twice on the road. And this is normal here now. And for a Canadian and uh, white privilege, and uh, you, you say to yourself, oh, I'm horrified at this. And it is horrifying for, for a civilized place. But, but the sadness, I guess, lies in mostly that the politics here uh, the money probably gets fleeced away into the ether of p- 
people's pockets. And so instead of going to the infrastructure of a country that could be great and, uh, and instead is left in uh, these you know, sad situations. Um, so anyways, dangerous drives, most definitely, uh, tonight was one. Oh yeah. And so we drove all and got delayed and because we got delayed, of course, we ended up on that windy roady section that uh, normally I wouldn't have minded, but not the way people drive. Uh, yes, as well. And there's always this other weird thing about driving in Mexico is that like, if you have any money on you or cash or cameras or, or, uh, anything that's of value, you have this like semi fear that you're going to get stopped and the local police are going to fleece you uh, for some of your things and or uh, money. So it's like, it's very strange for a, for a Canadian to feel that way. And, and I'm a guy that's very comfortable in so many different nations of questionable repute that, that I think to myself, like, would I really want to live in a place where the driving is so dangerous, not only because the lack of order, but at the same time, uh, because of just the simple chaos. Um, and the fact like, and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think I would do it. Um, and so anyways, we get to this road late at night and, uh, and we're driving on it. And just as I'm going by, imagine I'm on a single lane winding road cliffside. And at the very same time, that I'm going in one direction on this winding road and there's a truck coming my other direction on this road and there is no shoulder on said road, a motorcycle makes a go for it to squeeze between me and the truck to go around. I'm like, what the, are you serious? <laughs> Tonight is a night of that I feel like using a lot of expletives. <laughs> what the F? But... But again, it's an it's a you know it's one of those nights where you're like that drive was interesting and and I I may have become accustomed to my single lane highway well easy single road that I frequently use I guess in Whistler um, but but the, no I've been in cities and this is just not right you know it's so so unsafe and then after oh I, I forgot to add after we saw that accident today um, we're driving by and we see. Uh, lots of people, lots of scooters use the shoulders of the highways in Mexico, particularly the public ones. I don't, they're not allowed to in most sections of, of the private ones. And we see the scooter and the, so the back seat, because I'm coming up behind, is, uh, a woman. The middle seat is a pretty big, pretty portly guy, you know. He's like, he's no featherweight. Um, and, uh, and I kind of like, what I find odd is that his arms are kind of just, slack down at his sides and in front of him is his maybe eight-year-old nine-year-old daughter maybe if you're lucky and she's the one that's actually holding on to the handles of the motorcycle <laughs> like are you <laughs> a night like a nine-year-old holding on to a on a little motorcycle driving it uncomfortably seated way too forward, which of course, as you know, must give you plenty of ability to move, make a quick maneuver. And, and then you've got her like father, baby, and then, and then the mother behind. And, and of course, accidents are going to happen to a place like this. While at the same time, a, do a stray dog is whipping by. And I saw plenty of dog bodies, uh, on my drive today, today as well. So that was another moment uh, that, that we saw. And it's, it's not a strange thing here. 
And I have to say, we did ride in the in the flatbed of the pickup truck as kids while we were here. But but now with technology and science and understanding of car accidents and <laughs> momentum, you realize that it's a, a high probability of death to be in the back if you do have an accident. Um, but it's it's not uncommon to see a pregnant woman holding a baby in a plastic chair in the back of a pickup truck from 1993 with her toddler sitting at her feet and her husband in the corner uh, all while winding down a highway at 90 clicks an hour. Um, and this is why death is common here in, in Mexico. You know, I actually thought, I have like, I'm sitting here and I've got like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Nine different crazy roadways that I was intending to talk about. And yet here I am simply talking about today's drive uh, in itself. Um, but we made it home and even uh, even my mom was like happy that we made it. And my dad was kind of scared that we brought COVID back. <laughs> so cheers that. I know my mom will hear this. But, uh, but un- understandable, understandable. Uh, indeed, there was, you know, it was nice to see my grandmother kind of just let, let loose in regard to, would you rather live and be with your family or be cooped up in a, in a house uh, for, for, for your time, last times here? And I think since she was 91, I've been like, oh, this might be the last time I see her, 93. I'm like, oh, this might be the last time I see her, 96. And I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> grandma, you're still around. No, she's spectacular. And, and she has a fantastic will uh, and character to boot. Um, but again, I'm just the uh, grand, one of the uh, 26 grandchildren that happened to be one that lived far away uh, although I did spend a stint with her. Um, so, yeah. But anyways, I digress. I digress. Um, it was uh, a wild drive, and I think that's why I came back a little bit boosted up and, and ready to uh, to share my thoughts. And I was like, what am I going to talk about tonight? Uh, and I just want to, you know, let loose a little bit on that. And that was uh, today's driving uh, in Mexico. And uh, fear not, um, I don't think I will be going doing many more uh, drives like that. Perhaps it is my age. But uh, risk at night in some places is just not worth it. But to give you a contrast for Mexico in itself, I've, and, and what is our spectacular drives that I've had, in Cozumel, uh, we were sponsored to take a couple of Harley Davidsons and drive along the coastline of the bluest water your eyes have ever laid upon and glistening and white sand beach. And there's this single lane highway that you literally feel you're, you're in a movie as you rip roar down the road to a, a lighthouse with a red roof. I don't know if the roof was red, but <laughs> red roof. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just surreal. Um, Cozumel being a touristic island, uh, in Mexico's Caribbean, uh, definitely lots of cops and lots of uh, lots more order and less quantity, and you have to ferry your car across, so less lot less people and more of a ferry type of destination. But the bluest water I have ever swam in, blue, like I mean, there's emerald, but I'm talking blue, you know, the blueberry blue, <laughs> in a clear 
uh, iridescent way. And, uh, and anyways, driving this Harley Davidson along the coastline, uh, with, with my lady on the back. And funny enough, I'd only learned to hold a giant Harley like that. Uh, that morning, the guy was looking at me quite questionably when, when he first gave me the bike, but it was, it I got the hang of it pretty quick. I got the hang of most athletic sport car related things quite easily. And, uh, but it, it felt like a dream and I've got pictures of that. And in the future, when I want to share this podcast, I'll put photos of these moments for you to understand uh, what the, what the drives uh, felt like. So there's a contrast in Mexico. There's massive beauty and spectacular places. The other one I wanted to talk about was Yucatan, Mexico's Yucatan, Cenotes. Um, lady and I, all the way down to from, uh, well, Cozumel up, up uh, in Quintana Roo. But if you go from Cancun and you go down... Uh, through through Playa del Carmen, and then you keep going down. You can head all the way down to Bacalar Lagoon and Chetumal, which is the border uh, with with the next country below. <laughs> which one is that? I might have to look at the map uh, because I never crossed. Is it Belize? I think it might might be a section of Belize, um, and uh, and that area is beautiful. But what what makes it made it so unique as a driving destination for us is that you you make your way through proper Mexican towns that, yes, are extremely poor, but as humanity is strong and rises against any unhappiness and situation that one may find themselves in, the people are happy. Uh, and I think that's a really cool thing about the Mexican culture is that the, their smiles and they are happy, uh, joyful uh, in, in whatever type of lifestyle they live. So you see these tiny homes that barely have windows and uh, they don't use beds because it gets too hot and you've got hammocks that hang from one corner of the one bedroom uh, rooms that house six uh, and they sleep four in, in one hammock. But you're driving and what makes it really beautiful is you're driving and there's topes which are like uh, speed bumps as you go through the town. Um, and you can see through the windows of all these houses and see how these people live. And as they hang in their hammock, um, smoking a cigarette and having a Corona in the other hand, and perhaps with a paunch belly, they glance at you through the window and smile. And that's very cool. Because these people are... Not in abject poverty, but pretty close. And one, one unique thing I think that must be so important to the poor uh, third world country, uh, Mexican versus India, Pakistan, and so many different places, Bolivia, um, is that Mexico is the breadbasket of North America. They've got food galore. And, you know, throw a seed behind your back and you'll have a avocado tree growing. Uh, climb up to nice higher elevation where you've got uh, uh, cooler weather year-round evenings and you grow blueberries abundant, uh, which is why so many of our fruits and vegetables that come from Mexico are, um, are, are from Mexico. I mean. so, so anyway, driving through these streets in Yucatan Peninsula, seeing through the homes of these people that I think the reason they smile, and that was my point of the being the breadbasket, is simply puts that they are fed. And if you are fed as a human, everything else 
isn't that important. Fed and warmth, the rest just doesn't matter. And and I take it to, if I extrapolate that a little bit into my camping and wilderness adventuring, for us, when we're under shelter and pretty much in any situation, as long as we have food, we are happy. And and I think, you know, that's there's got to be a correlation between the Mexican people that are way below your version or my version of the poverty line um, to be still happy because food is abundant. And it's interesting to see that even the poorest people um, go to, uh, to buy their tacos from these street vendors. And the food is so inexp- inexpensive that even these people are buying from them. And I've seen everything from uh, and I'm, a lot of the names in these booths, like, yeah, there's quesadillas and there's tostadas and there's um, lonches and there's lonches ahogados and um, all this really neat stuff. But then there's lots of them that I've never heard their names before. Um, and yet you see, you ask the lady how much it costs and you're like, are you kidding me? That's like a dollar or 50 cents. Um, and you see people buying it. So, so I think what, what makes the drive, and to put this all together, is that what makes the drive so unique in Yucatan is that you see a level of poverty and happiness that I have not seen uh, in many other countries that are third world. So, uh, and on top of that, you've got rich, when we drove uh, around summertime and, and stayed in the Holbox area for a few months, um, and you drive the, the verdant trees, the sounds of a, the cacophony of birds of different colors you could only imagine, and arriving to cenotes, which are these blue holes in the ground of glistening water, um, is, is surreal. Um, so that is an interesting drive, and I guess a mighty contrast to the horrendous, <laughs> horrifying um, <laughs> event that I experienced just on one weekend of being back here. Um, yes, I stand on this pedestal far away, looking down at the chaos of a city below me and wonder um, what, what it is where I would rather be uh, for a good drive uh, than there. And so perhaps I leave that winding road in nighttime and particularly that that I don't mind so much to be honest but the city <laughs> never again stay away I shall see thee in my nightmares <laughs> um, so there I got today off my chest but I did want to contrast um, that there are beautiful drives and and they're even driving out of Chapala today which is a grand lake uh, on the outskirts of Guadalajara you feel that uh, you have a Californian slash Italian vista of, of this, this giant lake. Um, that being said, I would not dip my toe or mouth or face in the water because I might have a frog leap out of my mouth <laughs> um, with such little regulation and the farmsteads around the lake. You can only imagine the bacteria um, that is in those, those, that lake. But the vista was beautiful. Um, so there you go. Anyways, I was going to tell you about so many different other spots that I love to drive. 
um, like White Sands, New Mexico, and I'll tell you more about that, or Icefield Parkway, um, or the road to Hana in Hawaii. Um, but you know what? I, perhaps this leaves me fodder for tomorrow morning's part two of the most dangerous and spectacular drives that I have experienced. I'm Roberto for the Expeditioners. Thanks for listening to me on that late evening on January 16th, 2022 in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Expeditioner out.